This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at CypherCast.net. And follow us on Twitter at CypherCastNet. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I am Scott Robinson. And I'm Dave Hanlon. And we will be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing two spells. With the careful gaze of the Grigori, we discuss the blue sun. And then with reflecting a different truth, we discuss how to design a surreal dragon. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. In the careful gaze of the Grigori, we discuss an aspect of the Invisible Sun RPG in detail. This time, we're talking about the third sun on the Path of Suns, the Blue Sun. And I'm not even going to talk about like numbers or anything, because I think you can infer that from the intro. So uh, let's just let's just kick it off and get into this Blue Sun. So Blue Sun is not actually like a pure blue. Uh, it's uh, it's more cyan. Cyan? I should pronounce that correctly, shouldn't I? It's okay, my friend, my, my player Trina, she's not listening, so she's not going to complain to me about it. So yeah, uh, the Blue Sun. Hey Scott, I'm going to open it up with my, my standard question. Do you okay. know about the Blue Sun? I have read the section, though I, there were, I know there were more than four paragraphs this time, though a couple of them were only one sentence long. Yeah, but still, it was a, it was a, lot, of, a lot of information compared to what we had for the Green Sun, which was kind of exciting uh it was nice to have more than two two paragraphs it reminded me of reading about the interpretation of tarot cards because even if there were some short sentences those short sentences might be packed with information and seeming contradictions with other elements and it just rolled right along through this complex material to let you infer whatever you wanted from the text (laughs) yeah so the blue sun is the the sun of dreams uh, in a in a short sort of summary. Uh, basically, when you're in when you're in blue, I'm still not sure how to refer to the suns. Like, is this is this a plane or is this uh, an existence or or what is this? Anyway, um, what do you think? I think we're supposed to pretend we know more about it than we do. Oh, okay, yeah. So uh, when we're on the plane of the blue sun. <laughs> Um, the, uh, this is the world of dreams. Uh, everything here is, uh, kind of hazy and, uh, made with wisps of cloud and there's no permanence. Uh, any sort of permanent structure is going to, you know, fade away back into the dream after a while. Um, though there is a, a little bit of information in here that says that, you know, sometimes structures do show up, but they won't last for more than a century or two and i think more than that this is the sun of things that are neglected and fading i yeah that's that's an interesting idea and and that has an entirely different spin to it it reminds me of a graphic novel or i guess it was a a a mac maxi series is what we might have called them in the 80s and 90s about a 12 or 13 issue series by uh, straczynski called midnight nation and one of the premises of the comic was that uh, a person or a thing that is ignored enough will fade into this other 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 realm, 
Um, and this, uh, this sun seems to be a realm where things that are neglected or ignored fade into it. So kind of like the uh, where's the beef lady? She is undoubtedly uh, floating around, and for all we know, uh, she is one of the wardens. <laughs> well, um, speaking of wardens, it's a good place to start. So the warden here is Mara, the reclining god. Uh, and I think we had some questions before about are the wardens gods? You know, should we call them gods, or are they demigods, or just powerful beings? Uh, and here we actually have a reclining god. Uh, so Mara, Mara hangs out here in an ever-shifting maze of corridors. Um, and whenever, when I was reading about Mara, our reclining god, I was always thinking of, well, I was thinking of the Futurama robot who is basically a recliner and is always eating grapes. Oh, hedonism bot. Yes, hedonism bot. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, that's the kind of image that I was thinking of uh, when, when I was reading about Mara. Uh, and let me just get down to a little bit more about Mara. So she's in this always shifting maze of extremely convoluted corridors. Uh, she's capricious and enigmatic, but she's also insightful and knowledgeable. Uh, and a lot of her time is spent in slumber dreaming unimaginable dreams. Um, so... When I was first reading through the Blue Sun, I was thinking, "Oh, this might be. Hey, when you when you fall asleep and you go into uh, your dream state, maybe you're traveling into the Blue Sun." But hey, if the the warden here spends most of her time sleeping and dreaming, maybe it's not quite like that. I mean, this is a, a place that you physically go to, and dreams can manifest here. But you know, I guess I guess you could say that. For your campaign, maybe you do have dreamers who end up in the blue sun, you know, part of the time while they're actually having dreams. Or it could be an inception sort of thing where even even dreamers dream. Yeah, well, yeah, you could do that too. Oh, so maybe we're going to have an inception campaign. <laughs> maybe. A couple of the ideas that I had for the blue suns. Uh, one of them was, uh, you know, when the PCs are dreaming, they could show up in blue. That was one of the ideas that I had. Uh, also, I would imagine you're going to run into nightmares here, or perhaps that's something we say for the night side path. I believe the night side path was specifically linked to nightmares in, in that last sentence paragraph. Okay, good. Uh, then maybe nightmares are, are not so appropriate here. Um, but... We can, we can touch on ideas a little bit more in just a bit. Uh, so a few other things about Blue is that uh, it's everywhere and nowhere. Uh, and what you had mentioned before is that it uh, refers to the... Wait, what was it that you had mentioned? Because my notes are not lining up with that right now. <laughs> the place where ne neglected things go? Yes, uh, where neglected things go. Uh, one thing I had written down was that uh, it refers to unnoticed more than unseen. Mm -hmm. Which I guess is kind of similar to that. So unnoticed and neglected, you know, that stuff sort of shows up in blue uh, and is also out of the blue. And the out of the blue phrase is that, like, what it means here is that that stuff just sort of shows up out of nowhere. It It manifests out of nothingness, much like, you know, people falling out of plants in the green sun. And also the... The blue plane, we're talking about uh, the future and how you imagine it and 
how you want it to be. Did I read that right? Yeah, something along those lines. It's sufficiently vague that I'm not sure there's a way to read it wrong. <laughs> but, yeah, much like tarot. Exactly. I, I'm sure it is intentionally vague and frustrating. Uh, and it forces comparisons and contrasts uh, that hopefully will be productive and inspiring. So, yeah, uh, you might find possible futures here. So maybe you have characters who are looking for, you know, consultation for, you know, what's going to happen, what path should we take? And then you could take your people on some sort of quest through Blue to, to help them discern what they should be doing on their quest to do whatever it is that they, they happen to be doing at the time. Well, it fits the theme to say that the future is really the product of uh, today's dreams. And so kind of we dream the future today, though it, the specific future we experience is probably mm -hmm. you know, the combination of a bunch of people's dreams. But all of our individual dreams, that some of which eventually become the future, uh, may be out there floating. Yeah, so blue here is representing the future of just rewards and relaxation and sleep. So, yeah, send your, send your characters off to blue and, you know, have them track down what that future could be. Um, another thing that I thought was interesting uh, is that there's no solid ground here. Like this, this felt like a plane of air is what I was reading about, like the astral plane or the uh, elemental plane of air. Uh, all you have here are just wispy clouds of nearly recognizable shapes. Uh, and every once in a while, uh, dreams will get captured here. Bits of dreams will get captured here and manifest into those more permanent structures that I had mentioned just a bit earlier. Uh, so the way I was thinking about this is... It, it sounded a lot like the back lot of a movie studio that you could, you know, step into one sort of dreamlike reality and then, you know, walk into the next place. Uh, you could be walking down Main Street, USA, and then step through a door and end up, you know, step through a door and walk over a bit of cloudy, you know, uneven, not quite ground uh, and end up, let's say, at a beach party or something. I mean, the other thing I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, the, the backlot excursion that Pee-wee had in his big adventure. Yeah, I, I was in, also intrigued by this phrase, you know, this notion of capturing bits of dreams. And if the notion of your uh, party running across bits of other people or even their own dreams is not sufficiently inspiring, I'm not sure what else I can do to help. Okay, let's say you have an antagonist that the group has been you know, interacting with and has been, you know, harrying the group and just, you know, been a pain in their side. You know, one interesting thing might be to have them run across their antagonist's dreams out here in blue. So you, it's not the antagonist directly, but you could have them stumble into, you know, what the antagonist is thinking and feeling about your characters uh, or maybe you know, traps and whatnot that they might be setting up for them, you know, could show up in blue, even without the antagonist's knowledge about it. The last thing the players may want to experience is what their antagonist believes is the player's just reward. But wouldn't it be great if, if your antagonist, uh, instead of just dreaming about how they want to destroy the PCs, instead dreams about how they uh, feel misunderstood and really just want to 
communicate that to your players? Absolutely. And it might even force you to have antagonists that are more than just uh, mustache uh, swirling uh, cartoons. Uh, I do love a mustache twirling cartoon character, though. Right, but it's it's good to have more than one type of antagonist. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, it's been a while since I've had an antagonist that I really enjoyed playing with my group. Um, I guess because the last time uh, we ran a game, like a long extended campaign, they were they were the antagonists. Uh, they were actually a whole bunch of evil characters in D anD D, and that was. That was interesting and fun. Um, so maybe this time around I can... Uh, players don't listen to this because I might actually do this. <laughs> um, some other ideas I had were... Um, ooh, Sandman. Check out the Sandman comic books. Uh, Neil Gaiman Sandman, uh, published by Vertigo Comics. Uh, he is the god of... Um, he's not the god of sleep. Um, he was the god of dreams. Maybe he was the god of sleep. Uh, but his name that his brothers and sisters referred to him as was dream so there is a whole bunch of stuff in sandman that you could probably read through and pull from uh and i think there is a whole segment that we could get into specifically about sandman there's an entire podcast or two on 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 sandman even though that series ended what over a decade or more ago it's really yeah, one of the high marks of, of graphic novels. It is a pretty amazing series. Yeah. Uh, I, I am still a huge fan of Season of Mist. Yes. There's probably a whole bunch of stuff in there that you could use for an Invisible Sun campaign. Um, but I think the, the thing that was specifically interesting about Season of Mist was how Sandman you know, traveled down to hell in order to confront his... I guess nemesis at the time, uh, and it turns out to be a whole lot different than he was expecting, and that <laughs> that big twist is super great. Yeah, I, I, my favorite of the of the arcs is probably uh, a game of you, oh, which yep. is uh, particularly useful for in, in, you know, thinking about surrealism and the use of dream as a as a way to explore self identity. I believe that was the arc that immediately followed season of mists or did immediately precede season of mists uh i don't recall i just remember yeah. season of mists and a game of you were the the two that stood out to me as you know storylines that i really liked to that series for so that might be a, a good distant light segment in the future to pick one of those yeah so uh, uh i think we can wrap this section up at this point because we're not talking about blue anymore we're we're planning out future episodes of incantations yeah, I, I will add just for a last ideas for adventures to get back to this inception theme. Uh, right. You know, we, we have to remember that you know the game. We actually don't have to remember, but uh, we should remember that the game has as a central theme the the role of secrets, and so this sun seems particularly important for secrets because uh, secrets are often neglected bits of information. So if this is where the neglected things go, uh, secrets are likely to ride on those neglected things. Also, dreams are a great place to look for secrets. Yeah, this this would be a great place to look for forgotten secrets and just have them show up, especially when you have, you know, characters that don't want their secrets to be revealed. 
But I think we've got a lot of ideas, and hopefully we've whet the appetite of uh, everyone out there to learn more about the Blue Sun. In Reflecting a Different Truth, we consider common RPG elements or tropes and how to make them more surreal for the Invisible Sun setting. In this segment, we will consider dragons, uh, how to make a dragon surreal, as dragons are a very common part of fantasy fiction and fantasy RPGs, so we thought this would be a good place to start talking about how to translate traditional fantasy RPG elements uh, into, uh, uh, or at least into a surreal setting. So when I say dragons, what sort of ideas come to mind for you? Uh, about dragons in general? Yeah. Um, the red dragon that's about to eat a, a, a fighter in not enough armor from the classic red box art by Larry Elmore. <laughs> yeah, so we, we've got a, a large reptile. Yes. We have a, a massive combat threat. Mm-hmm. Um, often I, I was thinking uh, dragons wouldn't be dragons. They didn't have breath weapons. Definitely I think in terms of breath dragons, weapons. that's actually definitionally true that they have other classes of monsters. If if it's a large reptile that does not have does not have a breath weapon, it's called something different than a dragon. What would it be called? Uh, is it a, a drake maybe? And there's also I forgot the mm. name for uh, oh, Linorm, which I think is a monster from like Norse mythology. Okay, that's kind of like a dragon, but doesn't have breath weapons. Yeah, I thought drakes didn't have breath weapons. They only had uh, legs and wings. They didn't have, like, forearms. Oh, that may also be true. Yeah, uh, dragons are also intelligent. Yes, yes, that's an important part, that, an important aspect that distinguishes them from a lot of other uh, monsters. And in literature, this, is, this intelligence is often, often channeled through an association with greed because they collect giant hordes. So just as we have dragons, we have almost essential to the dragon characteristic, the notion of a dragon horde. Yeah, outside of Dungeons and Dragons, like, hordes are pretty much intrinsic to dragons. Yes. And even within Dungeons and Dragons, they're, they're pretty well known for their hordes, though not universally so. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the evil, the evil dragons are generally known for their hordes. But yes. I don't remember, like, the good chromatic dragons really being known for it, but I could be misremembering. Well, good, good chromatic dragon, some would argue, is uh, some sort of, of, of strange uh, Eberron or other sort of setting uh, propaganda. Because, you know, originally chromatic dragons were defined as evil. Oh, seriously? Yeah. yeah. Uh, as distinguished from the metallic dragons that were the good dragons. Back in the um, days where Monster Manual would say these monsters are, you know, yeah, this alignment. Okay, uh, then I was using the wrong term. I was thinking metallic dragons, uh, gold, silver, yes. copper, brass, bronze. Uh, and chromatic would be the red, black, uh, green, green, white. Yeah, red, red, uh, and blue. Yes. Oh, oh dragons. <laughs> and most of what I've been brainstorming in terms of making dragons surreal has focused on what Dungeons & Dragons might call the chromatic dragons, the... the evil or you know antagonistic dragons uh less so the metallic dragons both because they are uh through many editions considered you know good and atypical in that regard but also because especially the this the gold gold dragons draw upon uh, asian traditions of what dragons are and those are so different uh 
uh, and so uh, you know specific to that type of dragon that I didn't want to mm-hmm. lump them together with the sort of Smaug uh, traditional fantasy dragon, which is yeah. traditionally just a West a European notion of what uh, a dragon may be, and even then I might even say a Tolkien version of what a dragon might be, uh, as opposed to other European traditions. Yeah, this is definitely more Tolkien is what I'm thinking of. And I don't know, maybe uh, maybe in episode fifty we return to the question of how do you make a gold dragon surreal or the uh, surreal and symbolic implica- uh, uh, references of Asian dragons. But I'm not prepared for that discussion, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to stick no. with the basically Smaug and uh, other dragons that resemble Smaug. Yes, let's stick with evil chromatic dragons because good is dumb. <laughs> So we have a, a variety of different associations with dragons, and the, the method we applied in our, our previous uh, segment of this, uh, uh, of this uh, type uh, was to take some of those associations and then see how we can twist it in a way that lets us explore that element of the creature in a new and surprising way uh, to make it surreal. So we can take some of these these parts of dragons and twist them to see if we can have a dragon-like part of our adventures and our stories uh, that helps us explore what it means to have a dragon and what the implications of having a dragon are. So we could start maybe with the association of dragons with greed. And if dragons represent greed, then uh, in some ways many, many things can be dragons. a dragon would be a collector, uh, maybe of small or strange items. Like, uh, say, butterflies? Could be a collector of butterflies. Uh, but it's the you know, rapacious, greedy collection. Uh, uh, maybe, you, you could say hoarders are simply human dragons in this <laughs> regard. Uh, how you might play with this in the game is you wouldn't necessarily have a giant reptilian dragon, but you might have someone who's described as having some draconic characteristics. Maybe they're called the dragon, or they call themselves the dragon, or they have a dragon tattoo, um, though that brings other connotations entirely, given recent, uh, uh, you know, uh, ins- uh, not, not spy, but inspection, uh, like investigation, uh, and yeah. that stuff. Um, yes, yeah, so- uh- Series of books. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I, for, I, I even forgot what the thriller genre, uh, how best to describe that. Uh, but so you would, it wouldn't have to be a giant lizard, but having a, a person uh, or a creature that collects things and kind of voraciously uh, consumes and collects all of, and hoards all of this material uh, to a, an, an absurd degree might be one example of a surreal dragon. So you might have just a, a guy known as the dragon who collects butterflies. Or a woman who's known as as the the red dragon uh, because she collects uh, uh, knives of some kind, and you can play off the association of her being kind of like the smog of knives, uh, not because she's giant green and breathes fire, but because she is a a, a she's sat on a collection for what seems like generations um, of these very important knives, and she is not at all willing to negotiate the sale uh, or mm. uh, trading of these knives. Uh, kind of going along with this uh, collecting odd and interesting bits. Uh, how about uh, something that represents a dragon that lives under the blue sun? That collects dreams. 
oh, that would make a lot of sense. Or they, they collect little pieces of dreams. Yeah. Uh, or maybe they have a way to, to collect and preserve them because they are, they are seemingly prone to, to fading away. Mm-hmm. In under the blue sun, uh, imagine they collect them all in um, little snow globes, mm. and so they have this massive collection of snow globes. That's actually a collection of their mo- of of the dreams that they find most interesting. That's not a bad one. <laughs> that's that's a vivid and surreal scene potentially, and all the secrets that could be contained in those snow globes. Excellent. <clears throat> but we've distanced ourselves a bit from the large reptile model of a dragon but we can instead focus on that and say you know what dragons really are is they're big reptiles so let's just make a surreal large reptile uh, and that might play about the connection between uh, dinosaurs and dragons and have something almost dragon-like but is really recognizable as a dinosaur to investigate and represent the connections between those uh, creatures uh, or to kind of take, make it even more distant from the notion of a large reptile, you might have something the size of a large reptile that's actually a collection or swarm of smaller creatures. So instead of this giant reptile the size of a bus, you have a swarm of newt-sized reptiles, maybe each of which breathes fire, but they just move as a, as a swarm in a, in a vague shape of a dragon to play off the notion of you know, com- contrasting the small little components and the, 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 this experience of seeing this giant, massive, in this case, swarm of a dragon. Yeah, I think going with the, uh, the swarm of creatures that moves sort of in a vague shape of a giant dragon, like, I, think that, I think that hits the, the surreal aspect a little bit better because, I mean, seeing a big dinosaur... Like, you're going to think, ah, oh, it's a dinosaur. But seeing a swarm of creatures moving as one, which all breathe fire, if you're going into that thinking, oh, oh, man, we got to be worried about, you know, the what people are calling the dragon, uh, going into that situation where instead it's this swarm of tiny creatures that all breathe flames at you, like, that seems like that kind of throws you for a loop uh, more than just a giant reptile would. Yeah, that makes sense, and, and it gets more and more abstract. Mm-hmm. And you might even take it further and say that the dragon could be a collection of, of humanoid individuals. Like think of it like a, a thief guild or an assassins guild. That is that they are the dragon, and they are all pieces and parts of the dragon. And some of them are the claws, and some of them have you know some of them are the the the, the breath of the dragon. And so the different. Parts of the dragon are actually represented by humanoids. Uh, maybe they even share a hive mind of sort and act in concert. Yeah, but they have different branches that have, serve different purposes. Yes. Not bad. Yeah, you've got some of them have tail swipe. And others have claw claw bite. <laughs> uh, I was thinking more, well, yes. Uh, claw claw bite. Uh, it reminds me of what one of my players used to do. Oh, not my player. Uh, one of one of the other guys I play with. Um, I was thinking more along the lines of like, oh, we have uh, the Thieves Guild uh, referred to as the Dragon, and one branch of the Thieves Guild is the Claw, and maybe they're the enforcers or they're the the people who go out and do the smash and grabs and rake in as much cash as they can. Or if you have players who would really uh, like to kind of be reminded of the chromatic dragon distinctions we've talked about before, maybe there's competing guilds 
and one of them's the red dragons and the other is the black dragons and they have different specializations based upon their associations not just with dragons but with the chromatic associations of the dragons so the red with fire and the black with acid for instance um i guess you could also use the the chromatic dragons and focus on what makes them distinct personality wise yes uh Absolutely. and i'm trying to think of what the the differences between like uh red dragons and green dragons and black dragons might be I don't, I don't recall exactly. <laughs> I, I think the green dragons were sort of the um, the the plotters and the the uh, kind of shady uh, behind the scenes dragons. Because I remember was it Cyan Bloodbane from Dragonlands? I believe was a green dragon. Oh, that As sounds very familiar. The, the the raw destruction of the red dragons. Um, I, 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 but you you could also make up your own associations. You don't have to follow the orthodoxy of Gygax. Um, yeah. And ha- and you could say, oh, well, you know, black dragons, those are all about corruption. And the white dragons are all about cold, which is, you know, versus, you know, blue dragons, which uh, maybe they're cold. Or instead, you know, I forgot what, what one of them, you know, you, you could play with the associations however you want and be as true to the, to the source as you want to be. But for those of us who have players who actually played back in the first and second edition days, uh, then having these associations with the actual colors uh, might be particularly fun. A little bit, yeah. A related way to make them surreal is to uh, use references to dragons, but all but actually represent kind of direct elemental forces. So having a fire, like a living fire that takes the form of the shape of a dragon. Now, it's actually just fire. Uh, mm-hmm. However, taking on that shape of a dragon uh, actually creates interesting connotations with the fire itself. So it's, it's instead of interrogating what it means to be a dragon, it's using the, our associations with dragons to draw into question what we think of fire. Or what we think of natural disasters, because we can represent these disasters as uh, as dragons, uh, or or maybe even represent them by the appearance of dragons. Uh, there's there in I know some people have actually statted up in other systems uh, other forms of dragons like volcano dragons, but instead of doing that, you might just say, well, you know, what if we represent the explosion of a volcano as the emergence of a dragon? So the dragon actually stands for a, a an elemental disaster. I'm I'm trying to think of how that um, how you could extend that to things outside of just uh, you know fire. Well, like, you could have a hurricane personified as a dragon. You could have a blizzard in the shape of a dragon. You could have. I'm trying to think of uh, as someone who studies this professionally, I should have more examples in mind. Uh, flooding. Uh, earthquakes would be a would be difficult, but I think there might be ways of doing that if you have uh, the earthquake representing kind of the footsteps um, of dragons mm-hmm. and like the, the you know them, them crashing to the earth or something along those lines. You can, can use the form and shape of the dragon uh, as a way to personify these elemental forces. Okay. So since you can't really fight a volcano, maybe you can fight the dragon that stands for the volcano. Well, who says you can't fight a volcano in Invisible Sun? 
Well, this may be how you fight a volcano in, in Invisible Sun, because fighting what, what stands for the volcano may be effectively the same thing as fighting the volcano in a world mm-hmm. where meaning matters more than, than uh, kind of raw existence. So, so when are we going to talk about barfing? <laughs> Someone's read ahead in the uh, uh, show notes. So the, the last thing I thought about for uh, ways to make dragons more surreal is to play with the breath weapons. So one of the things that's commonly associated with dragons are the breath weapons. Uh, and we think of fire most often. But there's, you know, within Dungeons & Dragons, we have uh, acid and chlorine gas and ice, uh, sand, uh, there's all sorts of things that that people have included for breath weapons, and you can just extend that variety out mm-hmm. as a way to explore different types of attacks dragons can make, and some of them could be pretty weird. So um, some of them might just be not really be a breath weapon at all, but instead move the breath weapon to become a gaze attack and say, this is a dragon that shoots fire out of its eyes, which is kind of weird for a dragon, but not very weird. weird. Uh, so that might not be weird enough for you. So I was thinking, what could be weirder than that? And that's why I thought, well, what if instead of a breath weapon, you have something that's, that operates kind of like a breath weapon, a giant vomiting attack? Oh, a vomiting attack would be great. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it, it's close enough to a breath weapon to for people to see the reference, but different enough to go, whoa, that's not what we usually see. I was expecting a cloud of chlorine gas um, for my acid attack. Uh, or you know even a, a even a, a breath weapon of acid, but to express it instead as as vomiting uh, some substance up as its attack, that presents mm-hmm. very different narrative, uh, and I think would shake things up in just the way you want when you're making a surreal version of a traditional creature. Um, I think another way you could do alternate breath weapons is instead of just having. You know, oh, vomiting acid on the ground or blasting fire out of its eyes is what if the effect was something that was totally different and unexpected? Like this dragon blasts you with its breath and knocks you into a different plane of existence. Um, That would be a rather extreme breath weapon, but absolutely. Or um, a hallucinogenic gas. Mm -hmm. Or an anesthetic gas. Uh, there's all sorts of things you could do as alternate breath weapons that would be uh, a little surreal. It's not quite as abstract as turning your volcano into a dragon um, or turning your dragon into a thieves guild. But it yeah. does provide you with an interesting interpretation, uh, kind of novel reimagining of what a dragon is and how it how it works. Cool. Any other ideas for uh, how to make distinctive, memorable, and surreal dragons? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think so unless we want to keep talking, but we're hitting our limit. (laughs) Well, I'll, I'll leave you with this, uh, this kind of reminder of the method then. Uh, if you're trying to make anything surreal in this way, one way to do that as we have with dragons is think about what makes that, uh, in this case, dragons or anything else, what makes it cool? What, what's distinctive about it? And then really ramp up what makes distinctive, exaggerate what makes it distinctive, uh, so that what you have is an unrealistic, that is surreal, uh, representation of what the essence of that creature is. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond 
from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Dr. Scott Robinson on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. Uh, and if you if you like what you hear, uh, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We hear it helps people find our show. Uh, or else, tell a friend about the show, which is another great way to get the word out and get more people listening. Mm-hmm.